I love that eights have this gift of inspiring people. It really is a thing to behold. Sometimes it's a whip. Sometimes it's a bat, but we do inspire. <laughs> inspire is a nice word. That's right. You're being kind so far. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Working Enneagram podcast, where we talk about the Enneagram in the context of work. I'm your host, Kelsey Taylor, and before we jump in today's show, I want to tell you about a very exciting event we have coming up here at the Working Enneagram. Go ahead and mark your calendars for Saturday, September 16th, because we are hosting our very first all-day Enneagram workshop. This workshop is focused on the Enneagram Centers of Intelligence, And throughout the day, we will teach the unique characteristics of the body gut types, that's eights, nines, and ones, the feeling types, types twos, threes, and fours, and the thinking types, types fives, sixes, and sevens. We'll have two engaging roundtable conversations where you'll have the opportunity to discuss your insights and connect with fellow Enneagram enthusiasts. For more details, including pricing, lunch plans, location, and the start and end times, go to theworkingenneagram.com forward slash events. All right, back to the show. I am super excited to introduce our two guests today who are both Enneagram type eights. First, we have Daniel Palmer, who owns a fractional marketing company, and we'll get to hear more about what that means and what that entails here in just a bit. But for now, thanks for joining the show, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Our second guest is Sarah Hammond, who is an associate community pastor for a non-denominational church. Sarah, thank you for taking the time out of what has been a very busy summer to be on the show today. Yeah, glad to be here. Okay, my vision for our time together is to show the listeners just how driven and passionate and how willing eights are to fight the injustices of the world. I want them to see that, but I also want to see what it is like for an Enneagram 8 to approach their work and where the wings of the Enneagram 8, the wing 7 and the wing 9 show up at work if they show up at all. Before we dive into that, though, I want to get to know you guys a little bit better. Sarah, tell me about your work and have you always wanted to be a pastor? I don't think that being a pastor was a goal necessarily. I haven't really had career goals or just kind of responsive to ministry opportunities. You know, I started out at UMHB. I came in to be a Christian studies major, had plans to go on to seminary. And then in my first New Testament class, I quickly realized that I didn't know what I thought I knew. I completely bombed my first exam. And the professor was talking about this thing called the canon, which I'd never heard of in my entire life. And so it was just a really humbling and eye-opening semester, my very first semester in college, that showed me that I, I don't know what I thought I knew. And so it was a real identity shift for me. And so it, it led me into this season of sort of hiding. I, I thought I needed to, I, I thought I knew the Bible. And here I am coming to be a Christian studies major. And I'm in all these classes with mostly mostly men Mm -hmm. who seem to know everything about the Bible. And so I felt very lost. And so I was, I began to hide this and I felt very ashamed. And, and so I continued teaching, but yeah, just carried this dark secret around with me. And so then I, I read one day Jen Wilkins book called Women of the Word. And she talked about having this dark secret that she carried, that she Um, had been teaching um, Bible for as long as she could remember through high school and college. And that was my story. 
but she did not know scripture. And it was so freeing for me to read that in her book. So I began to sort of loosen that secret of my own and offer that to people as I was teaching. And so that is ultimately, I think, what opened the door for me to become a pastor was I began just to share that openly with the women that I was teaching. I was in a volunteer position, just teaching Bible studies for years at our church Mm -hmm. and just fell in love with seeing women fall in love with the word of God. And so found that my honesty about my lack of understanding and my fear of failing at this, sharing that with them was um, a road to freedom for myself, but also was an invitation for them to approach the thing that they were scared of as well. I love that. I like to say that we don't study the word to gain knowledge, but we study the word to know God Mm -hmm. and he's not hiding from us. And so there's space there to do that. Absolutely. How old were you when you read Jen Wilkins' Woman of the Word? Early 30s. Okay. 31. So how long would you say you had harbored this secret of, I don't know the Bible? I really tanked it around 18. So when I came <laughs> into when I came into to college. That's a full decade. Yeah. Right yeah. there. Yeah. And it's taken time too. So I'm I'm almost 40 and just have just now decided to go to seminary. So it's taken a while for me to kind of sort through my fears and insecurities about that. Mm-hmm. And so it's it wasn't just an overnight thing, but, but the freedom in admitting that and saying, yeah, I don't know these things mm-hmm. was a real gift to me. I love that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of eight that I see in that, in the, the fear of the eight being, I, I don't want to be perceived as weak, mm-hmm. um, but I also don't want to be weak. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much that other people see me that way. It's that I don't want to mm-hmm. feel that way mm-hmm. or be that way. And there's a level of feeling vulnerable or weak because you don't know what you think you should know. Yeah. And then the gift of the eight is the ability to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. for you to acknowledge that was an area of insecurity for me. And to share that, that's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that vulnerability begets vulnerability. You've yeah, said that before. All the time. Jen provided that for you. You provide it for the church. Yeah. And I think you give that gift to women who show up for Bible study thinking, I'm intimidated. Mm-hmm. And all of these, we tend to think everybody around us knows mm-hmm. everything. And we are somehow not measuring up. So yeah. I think you do such a good job of giving that gift to Thank the women you. in the church. Yeah, I think I think one thing I've learned is vulnerability is easily viewed as weakness. But mm-hmm. um, when you can see your vulnerability turn to strength, then it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm all in. Yeah. And yeah. so, and that's what I've seen time and time again with our women is me being vulnerable, like just like you said, uh, give some space to be vulnerable, and that's a that's a strength right mm-hmm. there. And so I'm I'm here for that. I'm pumped up. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Daniel, how about you? Tell me about your work and have you always wanted to be a fractional CMO? No, (laughs) I didn't have a career in line. I was an art major and there's not much that one can do with an art major. It was fun. It was a great (laughs) great four years of school. (laughs) What made you pick art for your major out of curiosity? Oh gosh. Um, That's a longer story other than I could paint. I am, I can paint and I enjoy it. The direction I wanted to go in school, just the, I was also a UHB grad. They didn't have quite the the depth of what I needed to study, which was graphic design. Much better now. Great mm-hmm. school for that now. But um, at the time, so I just flipped over to art because I liked the professors and I could paint and it was a good, it was a good education. I don't want to downplay the education, but moving beyond that, it wasn't really job opportunities in right. the art world. 
I kind of had an idea moving into an agency world or, or design space. And then uh, God flipped it and sent me into ministry doing music. Eventually became an executive pastor for a, a church on the East Coast. And kind of like Sarah's story, I didn't really have anything that was definite. I didn't want to be this thing from when I was five or six years old or whatever. It just became fill this space. There's a problem here that I believe I can solve and I believe I can do it well and I can do it competently and I can equip people. And that's kind of the ministry space that I jumped into is less about doing music and big productions and more about how can I equip people to use their gifts, volunteers especially, and how can I inspire them to do the work that God's called them to do? That was that was a passion and I felt like I could feel that space pretty well. But that ran its course and we returned to Texas about six years ago when I formed the company called More the Creative Agency. And we work with small businesses who kind of have a, a gap between do-it-yourself marketing where they've done some stuff on their own when they've grown their business to where it is, but they're now out of time. They've grown beyond their ability to do it. They've kind of hit a plateau. And so we come in and before they hire someone full-time, which can be expensive and can have some consequences that they may not be aware of, we fill that space. Could be a couple of years, could be a long time and operate as their marketing directors for that time. So there's a lot of joy in it. There's obviously a lot of challenges to it too. And I think eights love challenges and we, we like to see ways that we can fix things and we see problems and we can navigate through those and try to figure out how to solve it and for the best of everybody mm-hmm. and corral as many people along as you can at the same time. I love that eights have this gift of inspiring people. It really is a thing to behold. Sometimes it's a whip. Sometimes it's a bat, but we do inspire. <laughs> inspire is a nice word. That's right. You're, you're being kind so far. <laughs> well, I do think there is a level of aides don't mind giving you a swift kick in the butt. Yeah. And sometimes that does look like inspiration, but sometimes yeah. it looks like being vulnerable yes, and sure. sharing mm-hmm. that. And so it could be anywhere on that spectrum. But I do think aides are just very gifted. And you look at challenges I, I would walk away from most of the challenges and aid looks square in the eye and says, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about that intensity, maybe would not be the, yeah. the best word, but what is it about eights that you, you don't tend to shy away from challenging circumstances, challenging people, challenging situations? Sometimes I'm not really aware that I'm facing a challenge. We all view the world differently. And so I don't know if that's an, an all eights thing mm-hmm. or if that's me, but um, sometimes I'm just unaware. I've had conversations with other women who have faced situations that I have faced and it, it affected them so incredibly different. Maybe I wasn't even aware that I was walking through that thing, you mm-hmm. know? And so I think there's some of that. I could see how from that perspective, it's kind of like, why are you crying about that? It's not yeah. a big deal. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> yes. For sure. Yes. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's And for us, I imagine there's maybe even less of the challenge in that there's just a pain that's too great. This this is too much. Instead of running away from it, we're going to bulldoze through it because I'm mm-hmm. tired of dealing with this over and over and over and over again. So yes, it's a challenge, but it's also just a pain point that is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And, we, and the hard thing to do is to go past it, but we're going to do that. And yeah. that's where we're headed. That's a good insight. Okay, Daniel, tell me what you are enjoying most about your job right now. Um, Not a lot this week, but we're working on that. Um, What I enjoy the most, and this is why we flipped, we were a done-for-you agency, which just means we did all the work. We had some team people on the team that were doing the work, which was fun, but I missed some of the deeper collaboration with people that had the problem. So the way the fractional works is we, uh, we work as 
company's marketing directors, which is really cool because we get to actually spend time with clients and we've got about 10 clients right now. And so we rotate who we work with day to day, week to week and spend time actually on their team as if we're a team member. And that's what I loved about working in the church for a number of years is we had a good team, whether it's staff or volunteers. Mm -hmm. And so with businesses, I get to be actually participate with them, face the same challenges, try to own the same challenges they have and try to solve them. And the flip side is that's also the hardest part about working with some of these businesses is that there's a lot of personalities and there's always push. And I don't understand why people don't see the things that I see the same way, (laughs) why they don't. This is obviously the right way to do this. Yes. (laughs) They should value everything that I value to the level that I value it. And that's not always the case. And so that's, that is a big challenge is, is trying to convince and trying to cast vision and trying to pull them along and go the direction that we think is the right way for the business. Yeah. What happens when, and and full disclosure, I work part-time for Daniel as a project manager for Morther Creative. Mm -hmm. What happens when you know this route is the right route? Marketing-wise, you're competent in your area and they, client doesn't necessarily want to go that route? Do you have, you, you cast vision, you mentioned, Mm -hmm. does that usually resolve itself? Do you have to cast vision again and again and again, or do you just kind of say, okay, I've given you my recommendation. Mm -hmm. You're choosing not to follow it. So we're going to cater to what you were wanting. How does that work? Well, after several expletive laced threads to you, my project manager, (laughs) usually through chat somehow, I calmed down a little bit. There's a couple of ways. One is there's there's a better conversation needs to happen. It, it just takes sometimes longer for people to arrive at a solution. And the other thing is too, is I have to know myself and I have to know that most folks don't see the same things that I see mm-hmm. and that's okay. And that there may be some pain that they experience to learn some of that, or I could be wrong, which is really hard for Nate to say mm-hmm. is that I actually could be wrong. This may not be the right way. And that's an eight maturity thing that takes mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes a long time to get there. I think the key to that is just knowing how you respond and backing up a few steps, let it sit for a little bit, and then try to approach it with a little bit of empathy, uh, which is hard. It's hard for Nate mm-hmm. for empathy. And that's that's a thing we work on daily, really, mm-hmm. is thinking through that. Usually I am, right? <laughs> so I can confirm here, that. Yeah. So here's kind of, if you want a true manipulation, if you want to, is usually if, if you're really convinced you're right, then what you do is you overcome your own challenge of needing to present that in a forceful manner. And you say, okay, I'm not going to do that because that doesn't work. So mm-hmm. I'm going to conquer my own incompetencies and I'm going to present it better so that I can actually convince them. You may call that manipulation. I call it just a strategy that actually helps people. And then also understanding that sometimes you are wrong. Mm-hmm. That's well said. I love that. Sarah, do you relate to what Daniel said about empathy being hard or challenging? I think it depends on um, where I'm at. There are times in my life where empathy comes more easily and, you know, also depends on the situation, of mm-hmm. course, you know, not to hyper-spiritualize anything, but yeah, if I'm like seeking the Lord and pressing in and remembering the grace I've been given personally, mm-hmm. then empathy is is more readily available to me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm trucking along in the busyness of life, then uh, empathy is generally out on, the window. He's in yeah. the back seat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He might Maybe. be out the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it, definitely out of arm's reach. So it just depends. It's definitely, it's not, not secondhand. It's not, you know, natural, but it just depends on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I've been oddly over empathetic, so much to a fault to where it makes it hard to do the right thing. So I, I think it really is situational. I don't think there's something deeper there, I'm sure. But but there's times whenever, yeah, it's we're, we're doing it this way and I really don't care what you think. Mm-hmm. But there are times when you know the right thing, but you are hesitant because you truly value what that would do to them. Right. Which is kind of interesting. Could be that nine wing. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be. That's interesting. Yeah. Sarah, what are you enjoying the most about your job right now? Like Daniel, not a lot right now. Um, no, I have to say summer Summer is um, a bit of a lull. So summer is a big dreaming time. It's a planning time. And admittedly, that's not my strong suit. That is a bit of a struggle for me. When I find myself in that, I, I tend to want to be home with my kids. Mm-hmm. And so there's a struggle for me to balance the, the mom thing, the work thing. I'm a dreamer. And so I think, you know, I get excited right now thinking about um, the women's retreat that I'm planning, you know, and that's in February. So it's down the road, right? Mm-hmm. But there's some excitement just in the the dreaming and the uh, of those things. So execution, not so much, yeah. mm-hmm. but the dreaming in, of those things is fun for me. So looking ahead at where we're headed as a women's ministry is always, um, there's, there's fun in that. So that's, that's been the fun part, I think, right now. I love that. Yeah. Overall, looking at the big picture, what would you say is most challenging about your role as an associate community pastor? Most challenging probably would be the execution of the details. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, when you're the visionary, then yeah, it's, it's making all the little things happen. And there are things that I'm not good at, you know, and thankfully there are people that help me do those things. This year, our women are going through, we're going to be reading the entire Bible together. And so it's planning a reading plan and weeks and when are we not meeting and having a schedule for the next year and what rooms do we need and how much childcare workers do we need? How much are we going to charge for childcare? So it's there's a lot of details. all of those little things that when you're dreaming, those things don't matter because it's just this big vision of excitement and like, oh, we're going to read the Bible together and how do we make that happen? But then when you get down into the, the mm-hmm. weeds of it, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> for real, you know, and, and so some people love the weeds. I'm not a weeds person. Mm-hmm. And so that's some of the struggles, you know, it's all necessary and all good just uses a different side of my brain. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I'm, I'm so thankful for teams of people that mm-hmm. have that side of brain that I don't. Absolutely. Do y'all find that when you dream of things or you have these ideas that you get excited about it and then you have that person's like, okay, what about this, 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 and this? It feels like they're kicking the wind out of your sails. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like who invited you to this party? (laughs) (laughs) I think I've done that to you. (laughs) Uh, Maybe. (laughs) It's it's good. We need that. We need it. Yeah, you definitely need it. I mean, you can't- Who invited you to this party? Nothing would happen. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it's needed. Yeah. That's funny. I, love well, I think that. we have, I think, again, kind of the competency. Th- I think we can get into those and for do sure. the things. But gosh, it's like walking through molasses. Yes. Yeah. And for me, it's it's going to happen when it needs to happen. Right. It's not going to happen beforehand. It's going to happen <laughs> in the moment. I and, love that. and I can pull it off sure. and do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not going to happen anytime early. That's awesome. Yeah. So don't ask me for details beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the day before. I can I can pitch it to you and right. you'll be on board and you'll come, <laughs> but you won't know what time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Sarah, how do you know that you're an Enneagram 8? Before I knew anything about Enneagram, it was kind of, you know, emerging. Mm-hmm. I did what everyone does when they first hear about it. The, this, you know, personality test, mm-hmm. right? Which mm-hmm. we know is not, but 
So I went and took a test mm -hmm. and tell everyone not to do that now. But that's the first thing I did. I was like, oh, I'll take that personality test because I like quizzes. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. So I did that and scored highest as an eight. And so I knew nothing about it. So I'm reading through what an eight is. And it was like a Truman Show moment. I was like, all right, show yourself. Whoever's been yeah. watching me my entire <laughs> life, show so yourself strange. now uh, because you've been found out. And so I felt like someone had been reading my diary my entire life. And so instantly thought, wow, that is me. And so then did my own studying and reading. Our small group went through, um, we started with uh, Road Back to You. Mm -hmm. As I read and studied, you know, there's like a, a, I think on the first page of every Enneagram number in that book, there's like a list of mm -hmm. 10 or so mm -hmm. things. And I was like, wow, that is shocking. Uh, and my husband says I'm an eight wing eight. That's and hilarious. so it was- um, I'm probably the same. Yeah. <laughs> May not help your episode. Yeah. <laughs> we have no wings. <laughs> exactly. We're very You're grounded. Just eights. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think the first one on there was like, people tell me that I'm abrasive and honest. I was like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was the other thing. You know, everyone had kind of said, Yeah, when you when you learn about your Enneagram number, you're gonna hate it. And I was like, I'm I'm not eight. I love it. <laughs> So, and, and I've heard awesome. since that that's, yeah, the eights are the only number that really like their mm -hmm. number. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, there were just time and time again, like, wow, there was no question. Daniel, how about you? How do you know you're an eight? He went through one through nine, started at one. So as he went through them, I would just say, well, I, gosh, I really do have some perfectionistic tendencies. So mm -hmm. one feels pretty close. Three is kind of the entrepreneurial type and very driven to Four even has some of that space where there's some kind of artistic, creative, mm -hmm. moody space. But yeah, he got to the eight and was describing the driven, the justice, some of the anger. What he said once it stuck with me is he said that for eights, anger hovers below the surface all the time, which is an interesting. And so obviously there's some danger in that, but there's mm -hmm. also good in that. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated very, very much so. And then I did the test too. I did like four of them. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm curious. Daniel, when you were taking those tests, mm. did did you score high on any our fives? Did five ever show up for you? No, not that I remember. I, one, I did get a where one came back. And I think part of it, I've gotten to where I can almost manipulate the test because yeah. <laughs> you know you know what they're asking, which yeah. is an unfair approach. Yeah. But the first few were more genuine and, and yeah. legitimate, and you can, you can do overlap with there's hundreds of other personality profiles. And so I've mm -hmm. taken a few of those and cross-checked them and, mm -hmm. and they're very similar. Yeah. So it's pretty accurate. Did five show up for you a lot? Five, uh, well, just my initial, I only took one um, and, it, and it was my second highest number. Mm. Um, so maybe I was pretty unhealthy when I took it. Uh, that's a stress move, not yeah. necessarily unhealthy. Unhealth. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will see their disintegration path, which is called the stress uh -huh. path. As unhealthy. Yeah. But you need that to take care of yourself sometimes. That's interesting. Yes. So it's not necessarily an un unhealthy move. It can be if you yeah, go to sure. the low side of five and you're like, screw all of these people. I'm going to South Dakota <laughs> to get away from everybody. It's just me and my family and I'm not talking to people. That yeah. may be the unhealthy. But the, the healthy side of that is you look back and you observe and you rethink, could I be wrong yeah. here? And so there's a very healthy attribute that that stress move is, is for eights. Yeah, I I uh, encountered that five two years ago. It was really interesting. You know, I I had a um, cancer scare, 
And so I was sitting in the doctor's office waiting on results from this test to, to know if I'd cancer. Like it's, it's a moment, you mm. know? And so my husband's not with me. He's at home with the kids. And so I'm sitting in this waiting room by myself and he knows, we know we're waiting on this transformational news. Mm -hmm. He texts me and says, what's your social security number? <laughs> It's good time. <laughs> right? And I was like, are I you said, updating our will? That? What's happening? He was getting life That's insurance. Right. Oh my gosh. So my nine Holy husband smart. had gone to his, you know, six wing and worst case scenario, my wife's about to die. I'm going to be left with four kids. I need money. Mm -hmm. And so he went to this, you know, worst case scenario for himself. And, and so what was I doing? I was sitting in the waiting room researching cancer treatments mm -hmm. and getting every piece of information that I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really interesting yeah. to see, I went to full on researching. Yeah. yeah. Don't talk to me. Don't come at me. Mm -hmm. No one. Why do you need my social security number? Mm -hmm. You know, so just don't enter my space mm -hmm. at all. I'm shut down and I'm researching. Um, and then he's over here. So it was just really interesting. <laughs> that to is see. Interesting. We both went to, we both went to our, our, uh, our stress <laughs> yeah. in nice. that moment. It was interesting. Yeah. That is, that's a good story. That is a good yeah. Story. I want to hear if you feel like you're more developed in your seven wing and your nine wing here in a bit. But first, I'm going to describe what those wings are, mm -hmm. what they mean. And then I'd love to hear individually how each one shows up at work if it does. So let's start with the seven wing. The seven's the enthusiast. For those of you listening who may not be as familiar with the seven, their core desire is to have fun. They just love to be entertained. They want to be mentally stimulated. They are ideas people. Their core fear is being trapped in emotional pain. They fear limitations being put on them because it, it feels like you're keeping them from something fun. They are known for FOMO, fear of missing out. And the core weakness of the seven is gluttony. And, and it's usually gluttony with experiences. I mean, it could right. be with food, but right. usually it's like, I want more, 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 more of this good thing. Why would I have one lollipop when I can have two lollipops? Um, do y'all see the seven show up as a wing for you guys at all? Only when it comes to ice cream. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really? You want more and more ice cream? I love ice cream. Yeah. Do you have a favorite flavor? Oh, gosh, no. Mm. <laughs> Just any. Yeah. Any and all of it. Yeah. That's amazing. I'd heard that eights, that there is an addictive piece to eights. Is there any legitimacy to that? So they, the weakness of the eight is lust. lust. Yeah, okay. And that so would that's be, fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can lust ice cream. Yeah. Right? <laughs> all day. Yeah. All day long. That's hilarious. Yes. Uh, it could be part of the gluttony of seven, too, I suppose. I think I saw it more in ministry uh, because there's a lot more people mm -hmm. and it, and there's a lot more vision needed. We, for a season, had some really neat stuff happening. And so when things are comfortable, when the challenge is not as great, mm -hmm. uh, when when things are kind of humming along, I see my seven show up more, whether it's with friendships or business or ministry or anything like that. I see um, the more happy-go-lucky, have fun mm -hmm. part of me come out. Or like this week, not in business, but my kids are away at church camp this week. And so- it's been a lot more relaxed in the Palmer household. <laughs> yes, so we've been yeah. able to en enjoy some space, which is, and, and take advantage of the time. So I see that capacity when, when things are fun, when things are healthy mm -hmm. and there's not a looming thing above me. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Anything you want to add? Yeah. I think it's, it's funny to me to observe like myself in, in our workspace, there are, and, and you know this, there's just a lot of fun that goes on. Mm -hmm. And so, and we all work or a lot of us work just out in these cubicles, right? And so <laughs> there's just constant 
conversation community that's occurring. And, and I love that. And so that's where I see my seven come out is I'm like, Oh, someone's who's here, you know, like, and we're always popping up and talking and coming out of the office. And, and there's just, um, there's some really good camaraderie that takes place in the office. And so I do see ironically my seven more show up at work. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm at home or even with my friends, ironically, it's like, Hey, whatever. Whatever mm-hmm. y'all and and I don't I don't need to drive the fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's more yeah, yeah. a place to relax, and um, I can relax with the best of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's an eight thing, but it's like I'm driven and going mm-hmm. until I'm not, and when I'm not, for sure, I'm not. So I can I can chill really hard. I love that. That yeah. makes me really happy. I don't yeah. like planning the fun. I don't like planning. The, really? So yeah, pl- yeah, like I don't need to be the one in control yes. of planning the thing yeah. to go do. I'll, right. I'll go, but I don't need to be the one that actually controls yeah. the social calendar. I don't like pl- – if somebody else plans it, then it's more fun for, for me. Sure. Yeah. Do you all relate to that mm-hmm. too? But do you find that people defer to you though? Because that S- seems to happen a lot. They're like, you're in and charge. I'm like, I'm like I, I don't need to. Yeah, what, well, what do you want to do? It depends on the friends because friends that I've known for a very, very long time, I don't need control. I don't. Yeah. It's just let's go do whatever. And it's a lot different than if we're trying to get to know a new person. Yeah. Or that's a different thing. (laughs) We kind of have a thing where we we don't want to invite into our home until we've had like a dinner out with somebody because no telling how long they stay. (laughs) Do they leave? Do they come late? Do they whatever the thing is. So that's the control thing too. I love that. I, for the longest time, had a sign above my dining room table that said, please leave by nine. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Because my friend has that. I, I yeah. need it. Right, where we used to meet for small group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love you guys, but yeah. I also I love sleep. Time, yeah. time to go. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. What about the nine wing? This is the, the peacekeeper. So yeah. you kind of alluded to this a little bit that when you can relax, you can relax, mm-hmm. you can be super easygoing. For those listening who may not be as familiar with the nine, their core desire is to experience harmony, internal and external. So they want internal peace of mind and they want harmony and peace with their external environment, with the people Mm -hmm. that they do life with. Their fear is being in any form of conflict because that disrupts the harmony. Mm -hmm. And the weakness for the nine is that theirs is called sloth. And it's not that they're lazy types by any means. It is more so that they are slow to wake up to what they want to do Mm -hmm. because it's just easier to go along with what everybody else wants. And so there is a laziness to that practice of, well, I'll just go with the flow, whatever Mm -hmm. you guys want to do. For the most part, nines are super easygoing. When they do have an opinion, they can kind of be a little bit stubborn. They can feel like they're not being seen or heard because they are so relaxed. Um, Sometimes it feels like nobody really cares about their opinion or Mm -hmm. asks them their opinion. Do y'all see that nine show up at work at all? Less at work, Mm -hmm. I think. And that's probably why I think I lean more towards a nine in general in life, because Mm -hmm. at work, I'm, I don't have that. Mm -hmm. And, and I think in general, people, like I said, do defer to me. And so I find myself making a lot of decisions, I think, just in general. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think I do lean more towards a wing nine, because when I find myself dreaming or longing for something, it's usually peace Mm -hmm. and it's usually quiet. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, I I sometimes daydream about the COVID days, you know, because I was forced to be home and 
basically do little because yeah. we just didn't have the options. And and I know for some that's like terrible to even think about, but for someone who lives driven all the time, it it served to be such a uh, a gift of peace for me. And mm-hmm. so I think yeah, that's where I think I definitely lean more generally towards wing nine because I long for peace and slowness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and it's almost like a a secret because I can't allow myself that. Yeah, you know that that privilege, but. It's there. I also don't know that the world allows AIDS that very right. often. I'm not, yeah. And, I, and I'm curious if we actually got into that space, if we would stay long. Exactly. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. It just You can't help yourself. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, what would it be like over there right. in the peace and quiet? I'd like to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's at some point, you know? Yes. Yeah. Someday. <laughs> yeah. So, I vacations are important to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I vacation very hard. And so, next week, going to the beach with the family and it's like, Let's get there. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah we're the same that. way. We have kind of a escapism. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we, we are going to, we're not going to South Dakota this year. We're going to Montana. And I wondered where the South Dakota reference came well, from. Well, we went last year okay. and it's, I'm curious the difference between the escape of it or the wing nine, whatever. And I'm sure there's some similarities and overlap, but yeah, we, we go get away from people. I, I can't, when I we vacation, my wife loves the beach and she just likes to relax and mm-hmm. just do nothing all week. I just like to do nothing without people. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't see the nine much in my work environment either. Part of it is as a solopreneur, it, there's not a lot of space. I don't think for that. And I could be wrong. I think I also have a probably incorrect bias in that the leadership style of nine doesn't appeal to me as much as the leadership style of an eight or even a seven or three or whatever. So mm-hmm. clearly I know there's great leaders that are nine. So that's not, mm-hmm. it's just a, that's a internal bias, but yeah. So there's, I may view that as kind of a weakness when leading that yeah, that way. Totally. Yeah. Because you got to make a decision. Right. Like we've got to move forward. We've got to, <laughs> and the nine is just totally okay to be like, so what do you guys, let's talk about this. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, 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 no. We've got to go. Things are moving. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm also trying to see it through just listening to you describe it. I was thinking less of me and the nine, thinking more of my wife because mm-hmm. she's a nine. So just trying to see her lens and see her perspectives. Yes. Always interesting to me. Yeah, it's fat. Y'all are both married to nines. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty common. Mm-hmm. Eights and nines and eights and twos mm-hmm. are okay. very common yeah. relationship combinations. It's fascinating. Yeah. I think because a nine really does appreciate somebody who makes the decisions. Mm-hmm. And the eights like that they will go along with their uh-huh. decisions. Absolutely. <laughs> it's very nice. <laughs> well, obviously, can- there can be some danger in that. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. We've learned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we've definitely learned. Sure. Her intuition, and I, I like to think I can have some of that, but my wife's intuition to things is better than mine. Um, I think, and uh, this is my theory. I think that's a woman thing, Daniel. It's very much a woman <laughs> thing. Very much a woman thing. But at the same time, part of it is because I'm so driven to not give up, to not be wrong, to mm-hmm. not whatever the thing is. And not that she's willing to give up or willing to, to it's just she can see the picture a little clearer. Mm-hmm. I think she has an overall perspective that I refuse to see because I'm I'm just too in it and too driven to make it work, whatever the thing is. And she's been right about that many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the gift of the nine too. Yeah. To see multiple perspectives. Yeah. She definitely help can mediate that. that. Mm-hmm. 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 That's neat. Uh the South Dakota thing. So mm-hmm. the the last core motivations episode I had Liz Cooley mm-hmm. and John Weibel on. And we were I'm talking sad I about that. Oh, it's it's it good. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. It is a it is a good one. That we were talking about that stress move to the mm-hmm. five space where they just pull away and they both mentioned they have 
I think South Dakota was one of the states. Yeah. And they already have it planned out. Oh, they like the take yeah. their, their family. Liz ah. was like, I look at Zillow all the time in this yeah. state, in this. Yeah. So that's funny. Uh, it was interesting that they both were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have our, our escape plans mm-hmm. when we get. Apparently, mine's COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's in the past where there's a pandemic. That's, <laughs> That's hilarious. I want to end our time giving y'all some space to give some advice to other Enneagramates. And this can be an Enneagramate who's an entrepreneur or an Enneagramate who's in ministry or something that you wish other types knew about Enneagramates. So whatever you feel like the Lord is putting on your heart, what advice would you give? It's interesting that you... We were kind of joking about me living in the past with COVID, but um, <laughs> that was a struggle of mine, I think, for a while is I, you know, I went through just a really dark season in my life. And in that season, I just longed for the past. I just longed yeah. to be the the person I used to be, right? And I don't, you know, I'm really, I don't have time to go through all that season, but ultimately it was rock bottom for me. And well, ultimately, that's where I, I just met Jesus in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that space, um, recognizing the fullness of my sin, my ugliness, right? Recognizing probably for the first time, truly, I mean, you can't really fully understand God's forgiveness for you until you understood the the fullness of your wretchedness. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so I faced that there. And that was such a gift to me. And I think as an eight... I needed to face that so that I could give others the space to be that. Mm-hmm. So I think eights can tend to be rigid and and mm-hmm. hold a standard for people. This yes. is the standard and you need to be there. Mm-hmm. And if you're not there, what's wrong with you? Like that I think can just be do what you need to do to get there, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's a ungracious approach to life and to people. And so I'm I'm just so grateful for my own story, for for my own seasons of darkness and the way that God has stripped me of so much so that I could see the fullness of my sin. And so I think my advice to AIDS is just really press into what God has given you Mm -hmm. so that you can be able to give that to others because there's just not a way that we're wired naturally to be gracious. It's not in there. Right. And and maybe that's a a human, uh, you know, issue, (laughs) not so much an eight issue, but I think AIDS, have a, a a harder time probably extending that grace right to others. Mm-hmm. You just need to be better and do better, right? right? right. You're, you just make it happen, mm-hmm. um, and so and that's just a really ungracious way um, to help people. And so that is something I have been very grateful for. I don't think I could do ministry or mm-hmm. love people well, or be a good spouse or a mother had I not been gifted that brokenness Mm -hmm. ultimately. Mm -hmm. Um, And so grace is being gracious, receiving the grace of God and extending that to others, I think really makes me someone that people can tolerate. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and that honesty that people talk about Mm -hmm. um, is one thing to be brutally honest, another thing to be graciously honest. Mm -hmm. And so I just um, really, really want to have that, have my voice dripping with grace mm-hmm. um, because it it makes truth easier to receive. Yes. And and there's no other option for an eight than truth. Mm. Yeah. And so if you're going to speak truth, may it be in love mm-hmm. and in grace. So that's, I think, been something that I've really tried to cling to. 
I love this question because I think it reveals our even our own Enneagram styles. Mm-hmm. Like I asked the sevens and they were like, do something fun. <laughs> and the other was like, don't worry about having to entertain everybody. Cut yourself some slack. And yeah. the nines were like, it's okay to speak up and advocate mm-hmm. for yourself. And you as an eight, you're like, hey, this dark season of my life was the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was such sure. a sound before. <laughs> No, it's a hard yeah. thing in life that you're like, yeah, that was a gift. That, and again, using that to inspire mm-hmm. other people, vulnerability begets vulnerability. Yes. And mm-hmm. so it's, I love this question. Yeah. It was really well said. All right, Daniel, what advice would you give? Well, first of all, eights don't take advice. So that's the hard part. So we'll start there. Take mm-hmm. advice. Um, <laughs> that's not true. It- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ding. Yes. I would say eights need to be broken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you, if you raise horses, there's a spot where my mom always said this, she always said, wild horses need to be broken to be useful. And, and so, especially under God's direction, there's a refining fire that usually happens. I think all of us, all humans go mm-hmm. through some version of that. Eights just struggle to accept it. Mm-hmm. The eights that I've known and am related to and work with, have worked with, the reason they were challenging, first of all, they were not self-aware, which is obviously mm-hmm. a big deal. But the second piece is that when fire showed up in their life, refining fire, the, the whatever the thing is, usually it's one or two big things, they did not respond with, this is going to grow me, or this is mm-hmm. going to create a new person of me. Instead, it was a resistance. Mm-hmm. They challenged it. They pushed back. They could not admit wrong. I've clearly seen that in my life. Uh, from an enormous part of my life, but several years ago in that career transition from church to where we are now, there was a uh, giant story that made that transition happen and Mm. really refined me, saved my marriage. Uh, Mm -hmm. My marriage would have fallen apart had I not actually responded because I would have just dug my heels in and said, I'm right. This is an injustice against me. I'm going to fight with everything in me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead, decided based on my wife's advice and, and empathy to me, gave up. Not gave up in the sense of gave up life, but gave up the fight. And yeah. said, this is God, you're gonna have to take this. And so mm-hmm. I would say most dates, if you're if you haven't been refined, God will do it if you ask for it. Mm, and then yeah. <laughs> and when you know it comes, then yeah. surrender. And that will allow you, I think, to have that story, to be gracious, to be empathetic to others, mm-hmm. and to know how to do the thing that you're called to do. Yeah. Be broken. Allow yourself to be refined. Uh-huh. That's well said. Man, that's great advice. Both of you guys. Thank you. I appreciate so much the stories that you shared, the perspectives that you shared. And I'm grateful our listeners got a peek behind the curtain of what it's like to be an Enneagram 8. Thank y'all so much for being yeah. on the show today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks. Good to be here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this conversation with Enneagram 8's Daniel and Sarah. I hope you found today's episode insightful and thought-provoking. If you're interested in diving deeper into the Enneagram and discovering how it can benefit your team, consider our Enneagram team trainings. Team trainings are designed to help you better understand yourself and the people you work with. They're also designed to help improve communication and collaboration and enhance overall team performance. We offer customized training session based on your team's unique needs and goals, and we guide your team through interactive discussions that will leave you feeling empowered and inspired. To learn more about our Enneagram team trainings and to schedule a session for your team, please visit our website, theworkingenneagram.com, or click team trainings link in the show notes.
Also, don't forget to sign up for Gut Check, our full day Enneagram workshop by clicking the link in the show notes, or you can head over to the website at theworkingenneagram.com forward slash events. As always, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.